What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Hey, man, y'all done did it again. Tuned in to another episode of All Truth No Chaser. I am your host, Larry S. White II, and the show am glad to have you. Listen, man, I got a great episode for y'all today. Today, I have a guest that has been married for over 20 plus years. And the fact that I ain't been married 20 plus years, I kind of want to know about their struggles. I want to know about their successes. I want to know how they balance life how you balance kids like how do you do all that and stay connected and i'm pretty sure y'all want to know that information too so put y'all seatbelts on and let's just get into it clarence parker welcome to the show man what's up i'm glad to be here man you know it's it's for me in my history it is very rare for me to feel so pulled by someone and I've only experienced that like twice since I've been out of this military. And you are one of those people. Wow. And even though you be trying to steal my actual brother from me, <laughs> it is all good. I, I I don't get jealous about it. You know. Well, I'm not stealing them. That makes us brothers. Yes, sir. So yes, sir. we're all brothers. Yes, you are right about that, man. So before you was mentioning, and I had to like stop you and like let's just talk about this real quick you your daughter and my daughter have just so happened to both be freshmen in college yeah. your daughter is on a band my daughter is a trainer with the football team and i know we both are ecstatic yeah. for where they are in their lives right now and as well as anxious and nervous and angry and what are you doing oh my god put that down where are you at go to bed why are you outside like Oh man, you just hit everything. I mean, wow. So how how are you how are you managing? Because in this regard, we're both in the same season. Yeah. How are you managing this season of life as a dad with a kid that don't stay at home? No more? Well, one, a lot of prayer, and two, my wife, she is my balance. She helps me to, because I'm one of those old school dudes. I, she has to calm me down because I'm old school. I mean, I didn't think kids needed cell phones. She had to talk me into letting them get a cell phone. <laughs> so she helps me to stay balanced where I'm not so stringent because you can't be so tight on your kids that when they get out there, they lose their mind. That's right. That's and so right. she helped me with that. You know, uh, we had a rule where they couldn't have a boyfriend until 16. How did that go? Uh, it went good. Uh, that, didn't, that didn't work good for my house. I just had to start being honest. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was as a boy at 16, my daughter was going to do, my daughter's going to do what she's going to do. And to sit there and say, you can't have no boyfriend. I, I'd rather you <sighs> grudgingly, me grudgingly, just tell me what's going on just so we can have that talk. But I'm happy it worked in your house. It ain't well, working my let me, let me explain what, how <laughs> it worked when. So, we had the rule, no boyfriend until 16. And I think at, what was she, 13, I pick her up from middle school and she says, dang, dang, I got a boyfriend. Lord, I'm right. And I mean, I'm about to break my steering wheel because right. I want to flip my wig. Right. And the Holy Spirit said, hold your feet. And he ain't got no hair, y'all. Yeah, I ain't got no hair. I, I mean, I grew hair that day. <laughs> I grew, I grew <laughs> hair. So I hold on and I didn't say anything. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm driving home. I'm about to break my steel. My hands hurt so bad because mm. I'm 
gripping my steering wheel. Mm. But I didn't say nothing. I didn't let her know. So she said, okay, Dad, I go, we go back up to school for a program. And she said, Dad, I want to introduce, introduce you to my boyfriend, AJ. Stop it. And I go over and I meet him. And I look at it. And I'm so glad I did not flip my wig. Right. Because he was gay. Okay. I guess that worked out. Yeah. But she didn't realize. Mm. And so years later, I told her, she said, Dad, why did you get mad when you met AJ? I said, because baby girl, he was gay. No, he wasn't. I said, yes, he was. But I was so glad I didn't. So from that moment on, I learned to just, even though she would call him a boyfriend, they couldn't go anywhere together. Mm. They were only boyfriend and girlfriend at school. And I realized they're going to do what they want at school. I'm not in a present. So just be cool. And I was glad I did because she didn't have any issues with coming to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And so her current boyfriend, they've been together for a year and a half. They were both drum majors at high school and they both go to the same school. And so for me, I have to be okay with it. Yeah. Because there are things that can transpire that I have no control of. But yeah. also, I look at this, I'm thankful that she is not following in the footpath, the uh, footsteps of her aunts. Mm-hmm. One of my sisters, well, actually, two of my sisters, they were pregnant when they walked across the stage. High school pregnant. High school pregnant. I remember for myself, I was like, man, if I can just get this kid in mind, because people around her, that was happening. Yeah. You know, and it's hard, right? Because for, I don't, I guess even if you went all the way back to the time of, of our parents and the music that they were listening to, it was all about you know, sexual activity, yeah. but it was lyrically how it was expressed. And today, that same energy is present, except it's just more, it's more perverted. Yeah. Like, like being a virgin today is like a scarlet letter frowned upon. It's not the norm. Yeah. And, and that's just unfortunate because, I mean, they got, they got like a full menu of STDs out there and, you know, it's a Rolodex, and if you're not careful, you're going to sign up for one of them. Well, the new thing is that there's a Rolodex of STDs that penicillin can't cure. Yeah. So that's yeah. the scary thing. And I mean, I guess it's you try your best to kind of raise your kids to be, to love themselves, to appreciate themselves, to understand. This episode ain't by soul ties, but to kind of understand what that looks yeah. like. Because my, my daughter went through a little spell like that where she was just so connected with this boy. She just couldn't. It didn't matter how he was treating her. He, she just couldn't. She just couldn't let go. Now, as a dad, that's the scary and frustrating thing. Right. Because one, you're scared. Okay, you got, baby girl, you got to snap out of this. And two, you want to go and just do what we used to do back in the day. Mm-hmm. And we can't because all it's going to do is push her closer, closer. to like, even now, my daughter's boyfriend, he does some things that I don't I like. Mm-hmm. But I understand, too, where he's coming from. He has a, issues with abandonment issues. So there are certain things he doesn't know that we knew as young. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually scary because there was a lot I didn't know that I learned as I got older. But he knows less than I did. So I try to impart into him, pour into him, and teach him. Right. But what gives me solace is that he listens. See, I can't I can't do that for my daughter. Like I I would like to believe that 
my opinion matters so much that if I gave un like if I wanted to pour into a kid mm. that she happened to like, I think that'd make her like her more. Because she might think, Oh yeah, my dad approves of you. Mm. Now there was one kid she went I don't think it was homecoming or something, a young man came over here, had to help him out a little bit, you know, with his jacket and tie and you know, let me just Give you a point of here, there, you know, take that towel, take the jacket off when you get in the car. Don't drive with the jacket on. Yeah. You have a wrinkled jacket. Yeah. The the back of the jacket was still the was still tied up in the back. I was like, let me let me get this off, you know. I think those things are okay. But I think what's really critical is that you had your journey. Yeah. Well, because we got girls, their moms had their journey. Yeah. Yeah. And because their moms had their journey. Our children also have to have theirs. I think the major difference is the support, love, and desire for their greatness rests at home. Yeah. Like that you can't you can't outrun that. That's why I tell all these young dudes, be careful what you do, because you may have a daughter one day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you hey, have to figure it out. Yeah. You know, because I guess it's one of those things, right? Do you, are you the kind of person you want your daughter to have? That's are, it. Are you the kind of person you want your son to be? And I didn't used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. I think because we had our journeys. Yeah. We had our journeys and we had to evolve. Learn and, and grow. Learn and grow. Yeah, man. I tell people all the time, I wasn't a crackhead, but I had crackhead tendencies. <laughs> I wasn't that bad. I did I did some dumb stuff. I mean. But who doesn't? I was married at 19 years of age. And Wait. Wait. Because we are talking about marriage today. 19, bro. Like, you just graduated high school. Just graduated. I was out of high you school. You and your wife got married my at wife, 19? How old was she? My wife was 20. I was 19. She's six months older than I am. What you know about? Wait. Were your parents married? No. My mom and dad were never married. Were bastard. her parents married? I'm a bastard child. Stop it. I'm not, we're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> were, were, were her parents married? Her mom and dad were married and they were divorced by then. They were not married real long. I don't know how long they were married, but. Five years, 10 years? Probably about five or so. So why marriage at 19? Well, for me, marriage was not the norm. For her, it was. And her grandmother was a minister and she taught her. So grand, her grandma was married? Yes. Your grandparents married? Yes. My grandmother and grandfather were married for 50 some odd years. So your 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 picture of marriage is from your grandparents? Yes. And so Successful that's, marriage was from them. And hers also? Yes. Hers grandparents, was, why? Grandparents, yes. Yeah, successful. But I, you know, I, for me, I didn't have a lot of images of successful marriage. Mm. So I didn't know what that was. To me, my grandparents were the exception, not the rule. Uh, my father, his first wife that he was with, he was out creeping, slipping, doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that. I had aunts and uncles that were doing their thing. So I didn't know what a successful marriage looked like except for my grandparents. Mm-hmm. But then it was not what I would consider an order marriage because my grandmother ran everything. Mm-hmm. She was the head of the house. She ran everything. My grandfather was a good dude. I mean, he worked hard. They had 10 kids. 
And so he made sure the bills were paid. There was food on the table. But as far as how biblically a marriage was supposed to be structured, I didn't know what that was. But I wouldn't say I wouldn't say grandma ran the marriage because it seems as though your grandfather got up, went to work, assisted in discipline, mm-hmm. made sure y'all have food to eat, clothes on the back. Yeah. And during his time period, that was what a man was supposed to do. Yeah. That, you know what? That is true. So in that regard. You can attach it to the biblical standard, you know, and because the biblical standard doesn't change, but people evolve. Yeah. And so his presence was good because sometimes even when we talk biblical stuff, when we talk about God, God don't always give us no answer. True. True. But he still provides. And he did. He provides. He he probably didn't give you no answers. And he probably was faster to chastise you than, than to pat you on the head and say, good job. But in some regards, that's what we need, too. Yeah. You know, because if we get a good job, we think we got it now. True. And I definitely would have thought I had it because I thought I knew what I was doing. But why marriage at 19? Well, I realized that she was my soulmate. I was wise enough to see and understand that this is my soulmate. This is who I'm supposed to be with. And I didn't want to lose her. Mm-hmm. You know, she was getting ready to move into an apartment. I'm getting ready to go do my thing. And I'm like, man, if I don't catch her now, I may lose her. Were y'all in the same grade? Oh, she was one grade. One grade ahead. One grade ahead. Right. Okay. And so after I graduated, she moved in with her cousin. She was staying with her for a while. Mm-hmm. And then she realized, you know, I'm ready to get my own place. And so she was get, getting an apartment. I'm like, okay, I'm coming with you. She's like, no, you're not coming to me unless you're going to put a ring on. I think that's crazy, that. You were senior in high school. She out of high school, but she still cut for you. Yeah. You say we were together. Yeah. Gosh. I was cut for her, but the problem was I was cut for her, and I was cut for her, and her. You know, I was a senior. I was smelling myself, man. May 19. Yeah. What, what do we know? You know, when you talk 19 and monogamy, I don't even think that exists. Not Especially not in today's time. And actually, back then it didn't, because me and my buddies, we had a pack who could get the most freshmen. I mean, it's unfortunate, but I would say that's normal. It, it is. It, it it was normal. I mean, it does, and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean sex either. Yeah, that just means like because high school relationships last two three weeks. Exactly, they do. <laughs> they, they they come and go. Man, man. Two three weeks. I mean, you know, you 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 didn't sit at me at lunch. This is over. <laughs> and the crazy thing was, I was taught, man ain't a man unless he got more than one woman. Mm-hmm. I was taught that from, I mean, a young age. Yeah. Because, okay, think about it this. Every time I would come around my aunts and uncles, how many girlfriends you got? Wow. Yeah. Not yeah. do you have a girlfriend? How many girlfriends do you have? I was just having a conversation with my wife around that because we have, our society says women need to be modest. Women need to be virgins. Yeah. Women need to conservative like all these stamps of seen not heard be on a pedestal Stepford ish yeah. but but for men the understanding and standard is supposed to be like conquering spreading of seed how many girlfriends you got you know how many women you got running behind you and the thing that's crazy is they will put the man on a pedestal 
but shame the women that he's mistreating. True. And and are to say, you know, you're supposed to be this, this, and that. Well, you are applauding him for conquering me, but who? I have no value here. And but it's crazy because we do that, but we teach our daughters, no, no, no. Now we mm-hmm. teach our sons to go and conquer as many women as they can, but we get mad and we want to scorn our daughters if they do the same. She's a slut. She's a whore. Yeah. You're not pure. You're a disappointment. And it's like, what, what is that? Or even, even like, cause me having a song, it's kind of like, well, girls, girls bring babies home. Mm-hmm. Well, boys made that baby. Yes. It is. Anyway, we're not going to go down that rabbit <laughs> hole either. Because we are here to try to figure out how, and I think your story is so unique because you started in time of adolescence. And to start in adolescence, to go into, I don't know what season of life are we in right now? We are in the middle life. Yeah. This middle, this middle middle life. life, This is where we normally have our crisis. Yeah. And. You guys, man, you guys endured pregnancy issues. You know what I never asked you now? I don't want you to go too deep into your pregnancy story. Can you give us the cliff notes on that? Well, my wife and I, okay, we're married at 19 and 20. We had planned on being married for five years before we had kids. Mm. And so at that fifth year, we end up getting my wife's sister's daughter at four weeks of age. Now, she's with us. We're raising her. We were only supposed to have her for six months. Six months turned into a year. We said, hey, look here, we want to adopt her. And so we were getting ready to adopt her. Money got a little tight, held off. So four years later, we're ready. Got Mm -hmm. the money together. We're ready to adopt her. So with that, we're not having kids because we we have a child. We're going to wait. Sister takes the child back. I'm ready for war. Wife says, no, we got to chill. It's going to bring a rift in the family. So we let her go back. And it's her baby. It's her baby. Yeah. So we let her go back, and she out here has three other kids. Mm. And so wifey decides to change her career. She goes from child development. She, we at, the, at that point, we had our own daycare out of our home. We're getting ready to go brick and mortar, get a building built. We have a two-year waiting list already from out of wow. our house. I mean, successful. She says, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back to school. I want to be a nurse. And I always supported her career change. Okay. So now we have to put it on the back burner again. Right. And she gets ready to graduate nursing school. We have been praying and she thought, she felt like, well, we can't have kids. We've been trying and it never happened. And she comes to me and tells me, well, if we don't have kids, will you be happy? I said, baby, look, God told us we're going to have kids. We will have kids in his timing when he's ready. So, okay, that's great. When your wife says, if we can't have kids, will you be happy? Where where are you at? I'm in the thought, it's going to happen. I mean, seriously, in my mind, there was no You wasn't trying to hear that at all. No, I wasn't. There was no doubt that we were going to have kids. Right. Now, if it had not have happened, I still would have been okay. Because we could have adopted. I didn't have an objection objection against adopting a child. And like I said, we had already had my sister-in-law's daughter mm-hmm. from four weeks old to five and a half so you didn't take you didn't take that question as a question of her love for you Mm-mm. no or her her desire to not create a child with you i took it as a question of faith 
She didn't have faith to stand on the word that God gave us. Mm, I got you. So I got you. I told her. So when she, she's going through nursing school, she's about to graduate. We find out she's pregnant in May. She graduates in June. We move into our house in August. My daughter's born in December. Wow. That's crazy. Because I've always been curious just about how you handled the the pregnancy journey because it was a journey it didn't just it didn't just happen for you guys it wasn't it wasn't easy and no. then you guys were in a space where you're like will this happen will this not happen and i and as long as i've known you sometimes i would ponder the idea i'm like man how was this brother feeling you know was he happy was he like mad at god or no i was i never wavered in my faith and we were married 13 years before we conceived our daughter. Yeah, I mean, 13 years 13 is a long years. time, bro. To, to, especially, you're like, okay, you're like, well, it really wasn't 13 years because we wanted to wait five years, you know, so it was really like seven, eight years. Well, by then, I was thankful because I had did all my wilding before. The things that I did. Did you have your niece within that first five years? Yeah. yeah. No, okay. we got her in the fifth year. The fifth year? Fifth right. year. The things I did, if we had kids, we wouldn't be married. Mm. It could have destroyed us. And then we went through something. We were bankrupt, foreclosure, repossession in one year. What and year was that? That was 1993. Yeah. No, I take it back, 95. It's 95. I mean, I mean like year of marriage. Year of marriage, that was year four. Year four. Okay, so you haven't made it. You're you're still in the ninety percent divorce yeah. tile, and we wouldn't have survived that with kids. What? How do you remember your wife making you feel during that time period? She did not tear me down. Really? At all? At all. How did you feel about you? I did go through some rough. I was was teetering with depression. It was very hard, mm. but my faith is what pulled me through. She but she helped me a lot because she never made me feel like less than a man. So I was working for a company and prejudice company that I was a manager and they came to me and told me, get your stuff together or we're going to fire you. I'm like, well, what do I need to fix? What? Tell me what it is. They never would tell me anything. So one day they come to me and say, okay, Clarence, we're demoting. And they cut my pay. Mm. Now we were barely making it as it was. Now you've cut my pay. There's no way I can afford this house. The air condition goes out. We have termites. And it was such, we were, I was so burdened down. I was stressed at work. I was developing ulcers. We just came to the decision, let the house go. So the foreclosure and the bankruptcy wasn't from, it was, it was just a circumstantial thing. It wasn't that you were not working. No, it wasn't, working. It wasn't that y'all were not there getting it. But it we was, made a lot of mistakes too because we grew up poor. So now we're making money. And we never understood you should never have more going out than coming in. Man, we had every credit card you could think of. I mean, without the car note and the house note, we woke up, we were $27,000 in debt. Because of credit cards. Credit cards. Yeah. And we didn't make that much. Mm-hmm. So we went in and filed bankruptcy, Chapter 13, Credit Reorg, which you can't get anymore. Yeah. So we were able to rebuild our credit. And by the time my kids were born, we had reestablished our credit. 
we were doing good. We had a little bit of money in the bank. We were making more money, but we understood the concept of budgeting. I mean, you're going through all of that, and you, if you want to come out that fire, hopefully you done learned something. Yeah, and that yeah. was the thing I learned. Even in marriage, I had started learning. I started learning from my mistakes, uh, learning not to be that crackhead. So what was the what was the process for you during that year four with the repossession, like providing providing is a key element of how we identify as men, yeah. being a provider. And now that you're losing all these things, what your identity is as a man being a provide, provider is now being challenged. Well, first thing we had to do was get out from under that stress so I could keep my sanity. Yeah, how did you uh, do that? And that was by letting the house go. Uh, we got a little town home. I had a part-time job as well as my full-time. Well, first we had to get new cars because I was literally catching the bus. Even when we stayed in the house, I, my driving record was so bad, we couldn't put me on the insurance. So my car was just liability only. Mm -hmm. Her car was full coverage, but I wasn't on it. Mm -hmm. I had so many tickets and accidents that I couldn't afford. What, what kind of, you're not going to tell me that your wife was still saying, Clarence, it's going to be okay when you're getting tickets. No, no. At that point, she, she told me, you get one more ticket, I will leave you. No, literally, she, she, she'll tell you. I, that's, I what I you. that's what I want. That's what I want. I want the tea, brother. Oh, no. She told me, she said, you get one more ticket, I will leave you. I'm gone. So, but then I also realized I started getting a little wiser too. Man, I'm getting ready to be 25. I'm getting ready to get to that break where I do get a discount on my insurance because they look at me as being a more mature, wiser black mm -hmm. man. And so I quit getting the tickets, quit having wrecks. Mm -hmm. But by then I had already wrecked our car and it wasn't my fault. We had a Toyota to sell six months away from paying it off. We have a wreck. Mm -hmm. And so we saw, mm, cha-ching, didn't wait for the cops to get there to fill out our report and get our side of the story. We leave in the ambulance, and the cop talks with the other lady, and he writes the report more in her favor. But she ran a red light and hit me. Wow. So they would not, her insurance would not cover my car. Six months left, that's where the repossession comes from. Right, okay. And okay. so now I'm sitting here. With a piece of a car. My car is raggedy beat up. Her car was a new car. And it's gone. It's total. Yeah. And we can't afford to buy a new car. So my car breaks. Mm -hmm. Now we're living out Highway 6 and Beach Nut. No bus line. Bus nearest bus line is two miles away. And you got to march to get there. Mm -hmm. Neighbor, one of our neighbors let us use their car. My wife had become good friends with her. They were like sisters. So she let my wife use her car. I was walking two miles to the bus stop on Bel Air, mm. catching a bus to work and coming back home. And it just got so bad, we let the house go. We moved into a townhome on Bissonette, and we started to rebuild. Yeah. We're rebuilding, and it actually brought us together closer. So we're getting closer and stronger because we felt we didn't tell anybody. And our philosophy was, Nobody put us in this mess, but us. We did it ourselves, so it's going to be us and God. I would imagine the fact that y'all kept that in-house mm -hmm. is how you guys made it past year five. Yeah. Because people love, people love misery. Yeah. And they love to, like, put on, especially, like, I would say this with women. 
and I'm not trying to assume it. So ladies, if I get this wrong, let me apologize. But I imagine in my mind's eye that for some reason, if a couple is married and they got single friends and y'all having all these problems and the repossessions and you're losing the house, you're getting tickets, you're getting the car wrecks, that they start saying, girl, you deserve better. Yes. You don't need no guy like this. If he cared about you, he wouldn't be doing that. Child, he a bomb. He ain't no good. And yeah, so you you already have the stress of the situation. You rest, and then the, your confidants, air quote, are airing up the negatives that you're trying to push down. Well, we were blessed. The pastor that married us, he gave us a couple of rules. He said, number one, keep opposite sex out your man. Number two. Meaning she can't have no dudes that, she can't have no friends that are dudes. No, and you can't have no, no friends cheat. that are, no cheat. No okay, cheat. I got you. Said, keep friends out your marriage. Meaning don't go and tell your friends all your business, everything mm-hmm. that's going on. And keep family out of your business. Because what happens is when you go running to your family and friends telling them about the problems, you two have reconciled, forgiven each other. They're still remembering what you told them, and they're looking upside that person's head. Mm-hmm. So we kept family and friends out of our business. And number two, three, uh, number four, never let the sun set on your right. Yeah. And I think that is one of the key reasons why we stayed married. I mean, there are many nights we stayed up all night. I can remember sitting on the side of the bed, us talking, communicating, trying to fix it, and having to get up get out the bed where we were sitting to go take a shower and go straight to work. Mm-hmm. So we would not go to bed mad. We would sit up no matter how long it took to resolve and get a resolution. Yeah. And with that, we began to learn how to communicate, how to talk and not argue. See, people think it's okay to fight. No, you should never fight. It's okay to disagree, but you shouldn't fight because you fight with your enemy, not with your friend. And your spouse should be your friend. If you can't call your spouse your friend, you need to step back and figure out what is the problem. Why is that not my friend? That's I had to. I had to. Gra- I, I. I see. I see. Like in the beginning, you married, mm-hmm. and then as you continue that journey, maybe year six, year seven, you kind of have a graduation. To friendhood. Well, it's different. Different people grow there in different times. Yeah. Uh, because we. At least that was my story. That's why I say that. Right. I say that because my wife and I were husband and husband and wife for a long time trying to figure it out. Like we didn't we didn't we didn't have the same relationship with money. We not only did we not have the same relationship with money, talking about money at the time was like, yo, it was IUDs everywhere. You know. Any anywhere a bomb could go off, and mm-hmm. and a lot of it will probably a lot of the tension would be because one is what she was accustomed to, and two with me being in the arts, and so my check don't flow like hers, yeah. and so if it wasn't for her, a brother homeless, yeah, yeah, you know, and and I'm trying to like figure things out, and she's being. She's being just super supportive, you know, and 
it would just it would just be really difficult. And I think a lot of it had to do with my ego, my insecurity, my feelings when she wants to find resolution. But it's hard to find resolution when you don't have respect. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I don't. At the time, I didn't respect her process. She also did not respect my process. Meaning, and when I say process, I'm talking about history. Yeah. You know, because you come into a marriage with your baggage. Yeah. That baggage don't go nowhere. You come into marriage with your history. That history don't go nowhere. You know, and you're trying to merge two histories together to create y'all's history. Yeah. And that can, that can be hard. Most times people don't get past the merger. Because you don't, well, one of the problems is we were not taught to sit and talk those things out. I had no clue about merging finances. So for me, I, I'm cheap as they come. I sit on every dollar. I make a penny squeal. I, I, see, I didn't spend money. I believed when I left my mama's house, I had money saved. I left $300 there that I hid that I forgot about my sister's house. Mm. So I believed in saving. Now, my wife, she believed to spend a little more. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to spend everything, but she liked to spend me. I'm like, no, we, we're not buying that. We don't need to buy that money. So we had to come to a common ground. But I kind of went to her way and started spending everything. We was buying, getting the credit cards, buying things. I mean, So the spender influenced the saver. Yes. Because you marry, spenders marry savers and savers marry yeah, spenders. spenders. Yeah. That's just... The if, opposite. If that's both the spenders, you're going to end up broke <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Nowhere. And so then I started teaching her how to budget, how to save. Because, man, I, I don't believe in spending money if you don't have it. But I had to learn, don't buy on credit. If and, 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 and for full transparency, credit cards was new yeah. at the time. I didn't because when people listen in the day, credit cards is a social norm. But in the credit cards start rolling out in the eighties, they become. I mean, at the time, around mid nineties, that's when they started to phase out that little credit card, that 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 little swipey thingy. You know, they that started to phase out around mid nineties to the electronic. Well, another problem was with you in college, it was no issue with getting a credit card. As of today. Yeah. They they want you in debt. Yeah. So I mean I could I had Visa, MasterCard, Foley's, and all these other cards that I could and think about it. When you're in college, you don't have credit. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any credit. I didn't know anything. I couldn't spell credit. Well, you have perfect well, I've always been curious about that. And hopefully you guys stay locked in this season because we are gonna have a episode where we talk about money. Oh. And the whole idea that you can have a child, mm-hmm. perfect credit, and I say perfect because it's never been used, Yeah, right? Like the, this credit card is still in the envelope. But then when that child gets of age, they say, well, I can't, I can't provide you credit because you ain't got no credit, credit history. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, that's good. Wouldn't you want to be first? <laughs> and they're like, well, no, you're a liability. Well, because you don't have a credit history, they don't know how, what are your spending habits? Mm-hmm. Will you pay your bills on time? Will you even pay your bills? Do you have your mom and your daddy's spending habits and paying habits? Right, <laughs> right, right. So, so man, you guys make it past repossession. Yes. You guys climb out of bankruptcy. Yeah. 
your wife is in medical school. Like, did you ever feel like she's progressing and you not? Yeah, there was times I did feel that way. How did you deal with that? Uh, by secretly being depressed. Mm. I didn't show it. I wouldn't let her see it. I was just kind of in myself, being down on myself. And and in some ways, I became jealous of her. Wow. I, yeah, I became jealous of my wife. And she was my friend. We were friends. But I became jealous in many different ways. There were seeds that were planted in me in our first two, three years of marriage that I didn't realize. She came from an anointed family. I mean, they were anointed in the fivefold ministry, strong. I come from Baptist. We don't let them put that all on your head. <laughs> you know, we don't speak in tongues. That's that's that's, that's yeah. That's we evil. don't do that here. Yeah. yeah. And so when I met, she had an aunt that was a prophetess, and the lady was strong, and she told me something that kind of scarred me. She said, "Oh yeah, she she is going to be something in God. I don't know what you're gonna be, but she gonna be something." And so it kind of messed with me. And so with everything else going on, I began to become jealous of my wife. And it took some years. God had to shake me out of that mess. When when I began to get delivered from some other things that I was dealing with and learning, because I I didn't know who I was. And people looked at me and they're like, oh, man, he got it together. I was faking the funk. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my calling was. I didn't know what I was doing. And I began to kind of drift for a long time. And my wife didn't even see it. And finally, I started studying the Bible. And that's when I began to kind of learn who I was, learn about purpose. How do I find out what my purpose is? How do I find out what I'm called to do in this world? And that's when I was able to step out of being jealous of my wife. And it was, we were married about 20 years before I actually even told her that. Yeah. And it shook her. I mean, she was like, how can you be jealous of me? I've always had your back. How can you feel this way? But I'm glad I did tell her and we worked through it. And we were actually working through some other things that my past came back to haunt us. And we were on the verge of getting a divorce. At 20? Actually, a little, little bit about 25. At 25, my past had come back up. And then with that coupled on top of it, man, she was like, I'm done. And she couldn't deal with We began to counsel with our pastor. We counsel with a couple that does marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they imparted it to us. And he told us, look, you have to want to work through this. Mm-hmm. But he has given you the only opportunity by God to walk away, mm-hmm. which is infidelity. That's the only way God will allow you to divorce is infidelity. Say, but you, if you're going to work through this, you have to make up in your mind that you want to work at it. Right. And so she said, okay, I'm going to try. And then actually in her mind, she was thinking, I'm just going to go through the motion. This fool going to mess up. and I'm going to walk away. And that's what she was thinking. But God was working in me because before that, before everything came out, and I think the reason why it came out, I went to God and I said, God, show me me because I felt like I had it going on, but things were not going the way 
I thought it should be going. And so he began to show the arrogance that I was walking in. But I thought I was humble. Yeah. I'm humble, man. Everybody tells me I'm humble. Just such a humble dude. But I was arrogant. I was cocky. And I always felt like all I got to do is get my foot in the door. I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. When all I got to do is let God put my foot in the door. He going to make it happen. I felt like I was doing it all myself. So he pulled the cover back on. He showed all my mess, all my junk. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't like what I saw. Yeah. And so I really went into a depression. I became depressed. We're struggling. We're battling. But in essence, it really wasn't a depression. It was a teardown. God had torn me down so that he could build me back up. My wife and I began to pray four or five times a day together. Mm-hmm. We prayed in the morning when we got up. We prayed on our way to work in the car. She's driving. We're on the phone. We're praying. At about 11, 12, 1 o'clock, we would call. We would pray. When we got home, we prayed. Before we went to bed, we prayed. And we would read the Bible together every night. Mm-hmm. That is the only way we made it through. But I had to choose to be humble. When she would bring things up, I couldn't get mad. And I would have to tell her, baby, you know, I'm sorry. I was an idiot. I screwed up. I promise you, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I love you. And she would rip me to shreds. I mean, and Larry knows my wife. She got a sharp tongue. She can tear you up. I felt the full wrath of that tongue. I mean, there are days I walk away, I would feel a centimeter tall. I would feel like crap because she would rip me to shred. But I would still go to her and say, babe, I love you. I'm sorry. I know I screwed up. I was a crackhead. But I'm not like that no more. And every day, it was the same thing. I would have to say that to her. And it started to soften her heart. I would write her love notes. Uh, I would send her little sweet text messages. And it began to soften the heart. And she told me, she said, the only reason we made it is because you chose to be repentant. You, you chose to show your remorse and not get arrogant and cocky. Even when I should have been bringing it up again, you didn't say, don't bring that up. You would say, yeah, I'm sorry. And just keep moving forward. Because I understood she was moving from a place of hurt. And hurting people hurt. So I allowed her to lash at me. And I prayed and asked God to strengthen me. To build me up. And as I was carrying that burden. He would lift it off my shoulder. So that I didn't collapse under it. And then one day it was like all of a sudden. We were in a better place than we had ever been in our lives. We were closer than we've ever been. We were stronger than we've ever been. Now, that didn't mean that she didn't have a relapse every once in a while and get mad and get depressed, but she would snap out of it quicker. Yeah. But the key to that, I realized, was me. How I handle her, how I treat her, the love that I show her. The key was me. I had to be that person that strength that she needed and i could only do it through christ there were days i would say things to her 
And I didn't know where it came from because I'm like, I don't know what to say. But I would pray that God would give me the words of encouragement to tell her. But I also learned we have to quit hurting our queens. It's the submission. Like you you made a comment about uh, you felt like you were in a depression, but it was actually a breaking down. Yeah. But you breaking down is you repairing the foundation of submission. Yes. Yeah. Because without the submission, you don't have a foundation. True. Because you have to submit to one another. Yes, you and, do. And if somebody is hurt, you can't tell them not to be hurt no more. You, If somebody is grieving, you can't say you can't grieve no more. You have to, and it's hard as a man, it's hard because it's like, how much longer do I have to endure this? And I came to a realization and I would say, I said, God, how much longer am I going to have to deal with this? And I came to a realization, as long as it takes. As long as it takes. And what we don't understand is when someone is going through that, it is a grieving process. Mm-hmm. Because they've lost something. They've lost you. They've lost their trust in you. They've lost their confidence in you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were days she would look at me and I can see the hate in her eyes. Mm. She loved me, but she was not in love with me, and she did not like me. And that's that's a big thing, too, bro, because people be real quick to talk about love, and it's not about love. It's about that like. It's I that, love you, and, and that, do I like you? And that trust. Or not not Man. trust, the choice. The yeah. choice. Because you, when you're in those spaces where you love a person, but you don't like them, mm-hmm. you don't want to see them, but what do you choose? What do you choose? And I, I... I do the best that I can to let my wife know each day that I choose her. Yeah. Because sometimes, sometimes I feel, I feel undeserving. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I can look at my wife and I feel like a fraud. Uh, Yeah. Like, like, I get that. Why are you with me? Like when I was in my jealousy stage, I did feel that way. And even now, because the reason she's with me is because God allowed her to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel worthy because I hurt this woman to a core. Yeah. And I would always say, man, anybody hurt my queen, man, I'm going to kill her. I hurt her. Mm-hmm. And God showed me, well, you were the one that did that. Yeah. I hurt her worse than any other person in this world could hurt her. So now I choose to not be the person that hurts or wounds the love of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we have to do as men. The first thing is don't even go down that road in the first place. Yeah. Because the, not everybody can recover from that. Mm-hmm. We were blessed that we had great counselors. We had a friend of ours that was counselors. That's who helped us get through it. Our pastor and his wife, they counseled with us. And I mean, there were days we, it was rough. Yeah. And I'm a very private person. And I remember one day just calling my pastor about to break down because I, I was just tired. I, I didn't want it. I didn't even want to deal with because I had got to a place where I said, I'm not going to leave, but I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I would try to make up in my mind that I'm done. And God would always send. And actually, our kids were an anchor at that time because we had both of our kids and they would walk in the room and say something to us and just, man, cause we didn't just had a, 
we never fought in front of them. But we mm-hmm. had a knockout. We mad, and and the kids would come in. Well, and she was mad because I'd be sitting like a bruised turd. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids would come in and say something, and it would just lift both of us up. It would strengthen us both to keep fighting. Yeah, and it took a lot, but I don't regret it. I am so thankful because marriage, marriage in itself is a lot, you know. And and I would say I'm a my this is constantly evolving, right? Because I used to say, oh, you know, I knew she was my wife when I saw her. Well, the idea that she could be my wife was what I had when I saw her. But the fact that she became my wife, then I could make the comments that I knew. Yeah. But the new had to be confirmed because she could not be, right? Yes. So that whole sentiment of, I knew she was the one, that's not a true statement. You hope that she, she was the one. one. Yeah. You know, and now I'm in a place to where I've, I'm at this understanding of everything that God has for me. She is the key to unlocking that. Yes. Because I don't get that. You get access. It's levels to that access. And if, if you want all of that's in the room, there's somebody has to have that key. Yes. And she is the one that she is the key maker for me from the matrix. She is that key maker. Because, yeah, like God, I've seen what God has. I know what God has. But then you're like, man, how is that supposed to happen? And as things happen, those things have happened because my wife said this, and she did that, or go over here. It's something that'll come out of her mouth that brings a revelation that I've been looking for. But the way you treat her gives her that revelation. Because if you don't treat her the way that God commands you to treat her, those keys can't be made. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to learn. I have to treat. Well, I remember when I started getting together, learning who I was and I start leading my house as Christ led me. And I wanted her to submit to me. And so I would pray about something and I would go and tell her, Hey baby, blah, 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 blah. We need to do this. And she would look at me like, whatever. Mm. She'd walk off. And so then it would come to fruition and I'll say, Hey, she would say, Son, I said, yeah, remember I told you about that. And, that, and I told you, go up on to do it. Okay. So it would happen again. And I tell her and she just would brush me off and I became frustrated. I mean, super frustrated. And I started praying about, man, God, how you go, when you going to make this woman submit? And he said, you did that. You tore her submission down mm-hmm. by not leading the way I told you to lead said this didn't happen overnight so it won't be repaired overnight we we get mad at for what we done did yeah and we mad at god because it's not working out yeah but we the ones that broke it i broke that i did and so he told me say you did that you have to work through it now he's gonna fix it but i gotta work through it step one is accountability accountability so i kept doing it kept doing it and i mean a year and a half almost two years later i'm i'm now i'm at a place i'm not frustrated no more because I'm just going to walk through it. I learned I got to just walk the process, walk the process. And then one day I told her something and she stopped. She said, okay, we're mm-hmm. doing like that. And I man, I, I was like, what? Huh? Who this? We're going to do what? She said, we're going to do what you said. I said, like what? The way you said it. When? Now? You sure? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, but what I didn't realize is God had 
start showing her me that what I'm doing, how I'm doing, that I'm following him. Yeah. And then she began to trust me mm-hmm. to trust what I'm saying. So now if I say something and she'll say, so that's it. Yeah. Okay. I think the beauty of that is also understanding that we do not have the power to change anybody. No. And if you go to God complaining about somebody, he and then instead of answering you, what you talking about, show you, you. Yeah. So if we will focus our energy on ourselves and if we can display the character we want to see in others by showing that through ourselves, whatever we pray about as it pertains to somebody else will come to fruition if we can do that ourselves. Yes. Like Jesus is not going to ask us to do something he ain't do. True. And, I, and that's, how, that's how I deal with my kids. Like I'm not going to ask my kids to do something. Brother, I'm in jujitsu right now. I don't want to be there. <laughs> like for real, I do not. But my baby's in there. Yeah. And so I do it as example. Even when it comes to my kids learning languages, I messed around, opened up my mouth to tell my little one, well, you need to learn three languages. Why I do that? Because now I got to learn three, three languages. languages. Yeah. So that example, I started that journey of myself being very committed. And granted, this is still new, this whole language business, but I made it up in my mind that I'm determined to get one. She has a whole life. When it's all said and done, when she grad like when she graduates high school, I myself should be speaking three languages. And she definitely will because you laid that example. You're showing her that this is what you need to do. And because dad's doing it, she's going to do it. Yeah. And that standard being set also influences the other kids. It also influences the wife. All of it, everything as a man, as they say, well, you know, we we set the temperature in the house. And so whatever standard you want to have in your home, we are the ones that have to hold that standard. If it's going to be peaceful, we have to hold that standard. If it's going to be repentance, we got to hold that standard. If it's going to be forgiveness, we got to hold that standard. If it's going to be accountability, responsibility, we got to hold that standard. If we don't hold that standard, you can't ask nobody else to do it. And we set the temperature, but they set the atmosphere. Yes, sir. But the atmosphere cannot be set with the proper temperature. Mm-hmm. So if we don't set the proper temperature, the correct atmosphere will not be set. That's yeah. why you can go in some people's houses and it's an a atmosphere of chaos mm-hmm. because the temperature is too hot. Or even when correction comes. Yeah. My wife loves telling this story, but she the way she tells it, she tells it like I'm a bad guy. <laughs> okay. But one day the kids is running around. We all laughing. She had a rough day at work. And she brought that rough day at work in the house. Yeah. And I had, I, she makes it seem like I was, rah, 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 you know, King Kong. Slept. I was not doing that through my vision. But for her, that's how it was received. And that's how she perceived. And she went in the bedroom, got herself together, and recognized that everybody was laughing before she came home. And now she's trying to stir everything. She get, changed that. Trying to get it back. You so know, but. She, she was exposed to some spirits at the job because I would do that. I had a guy in my job that was grumpy. Yeah. And when I first got there, 
they told me, say, well, you got this guy. He's real good, but he's a bumpy old man. Mm. So I remember it rained for six days straight. He complained about the rain. Six days straight. Yeah, I'm sick of all this rain. All this doggone rain. Sun came out. Beautiful. Sun shining. Man, it's too doggone hot. I'm yeah. like, dude, are you ever happy? And so there were days when that grumpiness would jump on me and I would come in the house. I'm fussing. What y'all doing? Why are you looking like that? Why are you standing around? And your mom, my wife would say, hey, you're bringing that man spirit here. We don't need that. Yeah. And so I would have to go in, readjust, recalibrate. My bad, babe. You right. Yeah, you're right, baby. I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean it. <laughs> you're right, baby. Hey, hey, you hey, let me go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Yeah. But one that was one of the things we learned. See, that shows you have that communication. You can communicate and hear each other. And you know, I want I wanna step on one thing real quick before we close out. You said you shouldn't be fighting. Yes. And I agree with that. And I think when people say you shouldn't be fighting, a disagreement does not mean it's a fight. Exactly. And disagreements are okay. You know, well, let's define a fight. A fight is when you are going against someone to win. That's correct. So you're on the same team. The Rockets don't they not win against each other. Yeah. They win against the opposing team. So it's okay to disagree. But when you try to win against your spouse, whether you think you won or not, you did not. Because if that spouse lost, you lost. That's right. And so when we get into a fight, we try to one up. Mm -hmm. So my wife and I, we don't try to one up each other. Because it's almost like having a different, you can't live a life where it's like, oh, well, since a different opinion on a subject matter means that they got a problem with you personally. No. You know. I love olives. My wife don't. So I ain't got no problem. I will just eat them olives on her plate. I despise the hint of a cucumber. I don't even like the cucumber touching my plate. My wife loves cucumbers. I don't even like to smell it in the house. But if she's cutting up a cucumber and I have to endure the smell of the cucumber, I'm not going to go off on her because she likes cucumbers. Well, how you have to look at this like this, the, the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. They're three different beings, but the same being. Mm. So we're somewhat of the same husband and wife. We're two separate beings, but we're one. Mm-hmm. So while we are one, we still have a difference. Yeah. So we're two things that are separate that come from two totally different backgrounds brought together as one. That's right. So we're going to see things differently, but we can walk together as one. Man, thank you so much for your honesty thank you for your transparency and for sharing your story with us you know life life is gonna life if life don't do nothing else but while we're on this journey of life if we can just believe that the marriage that we have has been touched by god the the communion that we have with with our spouses and the communion that we have with god is for a higher purpose and he is with us through the highs and the lows if you believe that Chances are, man, you just might not be lost. Y'all be easy. Peace.